When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm a love struck, baby. I must confess. Life but that you got to do the best. Thinking that you, baby, give me some Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go to find your preferred music podcast with your preferred style of music. Also, it is the home of the Metallica Podcast. What's the name of that again, Jason? Uh, the uh, It's the official Metallica podcast, I think. I thought there was a name for it. Maybe there's not. Oh, gosh darn it. Don't make... Well, I'm going to have to look <laughs> it up. We'll get back to you on that one. What's going on? I'm good, man. I just came back from Florida, seeing my folks, and seeing a Blackberry Smoke concert. In fact, I saw two, two concerts in two days in two different states. And you first saw Brother Kane... I did. I saw Brother Kane. They were playing in Columbus at the King of Clubs, where I've previously previously seen Faster Pussycat and Samantha Fish and Jesse Dayton and our old guest, Eric Johansson. Uh, dude, Brother Kane killed it. Uh, Tony Higby, again, a previous guest of ours, Damon Johnson. Those guys, man, you want to see some guys play some electric guitar and get after it. That Brother Kane show, you can't miss it. Uh, yeah, I really want to see that. That had to have been... Uh tremendous it was just high energy um man they played all the big songs the two new songs that brother kane just released their final song their encore they did the boys are back in town which Mm -hmm. of course damon was with thin lizzy for a while they looked like they had fun uh tony was nice enough to come out and chat with me my friends for a bit i gave him him and damon a shirt and some stickers so we're spreading that that swag a little bit and i'll tell you what about tony we know he's a good guy. He's a fun guy, but he's tall as shit. Oh, really? Yeah. 
he was probably at least six three. I was taken aback when he came oh, walking really? around that side of the bus. I was like, "Damn, man, that's a tall dude." <laughs> so, but they sounded good. Go ahead. Sound no, they, 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 yeah, they sounded good. And of course, Orianthi was also on that bill as well. And uh, you know, she does a little bit from modern rock to blues rock and and things in between. And uh, she was she was good, but. Brother Kane, man, dude, if people are listening and you're on the fence about seeing them when they're in your area, don't like it's great. And who was the opening band? Oh, yeah. So the opening band um, and I really dug these guys, too, Brian. And it's um, uh, it's a band that we should probably have on some some point because I was actually talking with Tony about him a little bit. Right. And uh, just um, hold on. Not the, I want to call them the Stone Roses. They are not the Stone Roses. I promise you that the band's not the Stone Roses. They are called, and Jesus Christ, Jason, come on. I wasn't prepared. I should have known that. The Stone Horses. There Stone Horses out of Maryland. Out of Maryland. And just good, no frills, rock and roll. There's definitely a little bit of a blues and southern rock element to it. The lead guitar player was fantastic. He had all the licks and I was really surprised how good they were. And uh, uh, Tony was nice enough to put uh, me or us in contact with their lead singer. So he would be a good guest here, uh, probably coming in the first of the year, you know, sometime after the um, new year. Yeah. And I listened to some of their stuff and uh, I really dig it. Yeah. Yeah. The, my two friends, so Brian and Keith, who were with me, who see a lot of shows with me here, we didn't know anything about them. And after they were like, man, they're like, man, those guys were good. I'd, I would just listen to them. Mm-hmm. So high compliments. Hi, if, if Brian and Keith say that in other Brian, not you, Brian, other Brian, uh, that's, that's a high compliment. So you talked to Tony outside the bus. Yeah. 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 He knew I was coming and everything. And I, I shot him a note and I got there. He said, come out to the bus. So we stood outside the bus in the cold a little bit and chatted probably 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, he's doing well. They were tired. This was their eighth show in nine days when I saw him. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. They don't have a lot of time off. So you've been talking to people outside the bus more than once this week. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Brian, yes, I have. So on Saturday, Saturday morning, I flew to Florida. Two reasons. One went down to see my parents. It was my dad's birthday on Sunday. But on Saturday in St. Petersburg, St. Pete Beach, uh, Blackberry Smoke was playing at Janice Live. And they sold out that venue, as a matter of fact, a nice outdoor spot and our friend brian mr charlie star was nice enough uh to catch up with me for a few minutes gave him a shirt and some stickers for the band and we had you know we, we chatted for a couple of minutes it was nice guy lovely cool. person just just like he is on the podcast that's awesome just ch- general chit chat about whatever about whatever i was wearing one of my junkyard sh- shirts he did compliment me on that again we know he's a big junkyard fan and then my parents had been at the show in St. Augustine, Florida the night before because my dad needs to go somewhere where he can sit. He just, this Janice mm-hmm. Live is just a big outside pavilion. Um, my dad told me that my dad is an ex-elementary school principal, retired principal. And he said Charlie was telling a story about uh, his son who got in trouble and Charlie and then his wife had to talk to the principal and was and brought up a story about his principal when he was younger that his principal had this electric paddle or essentially is a wooden paddle with a uh, extension cord taped to it, another paddle that had holes in it for aerodynamic reasons. And my dad, if you believe this or not, Brian, when he was a principal and back in the days where c- corporal punishment was okay, 
he had a quote unquote electric paddle and a paddle with holes in it that were just really decorations for his office. But he used to plug in that electric paddle and all it was was an extension cord duct taped to a wooden paddle. You'd plug it in and like hum and go and shake it a little bit, you know, just to keep us all in line. But <laughs> going back to where I started on that one, Charlie told that story and my dad was like, holy shit, that's like me. So I was able to tell that story to Charlie. He got a good, good kick out of it stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, he had to go on to the VIP meet and greet. Right on. So you shared that little, some clips and some uh, video and, and I was like so impressed with the, the Florida audience. With them. Oh man. Yeah. Like, you know, they're a Southern band. They're big down there. And again, that venue was sold out. There's probably 2,500 plus people there and all the big hits, all the songs they knew mm. and they sung along with. Um, and Man, it was it was a fun crowd to be in. Other than like the least four times the show stopped because people passed out and security had to come get them. Oh, really? It was hot and humid, and I think a lot of people were partaking a little too much for those conditions. Ah, for sure. So, speaking about guitar players that can really tear it up, you said something like that earlier. Our guest on this episode can really tear it up. He can. He's been tearing it up since he was a teenager. He was one of those dudes back. What in the 90s who came out when this blues rock revival was kicking around a little bit and i think what he made his debut at 17 brian i think it sounds right yeah right, right around there yeah maybe a little younger and somebody you got to see live in concert what last year uh i think it was about two years ago but yeah the great guitar player from the kenny wayne shepherd band kenny wayne shepherd yeah and it was great to talk to him we talked to the singer noah before um and his new record comes out today as you're listening to this episode november 17th that's right and brian you and i had had the luxury of getting a chance to listen to it a little bit um it's a little bit more laid back isn't it than it normally is there's not so many guitar heroics and of course you'll hear kenny talk about that and kenny gets the chance to sing uh lead on a couple songs that right yeah, and it's interesting to hear that they 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 didn't record, but they wrote this record. You know, you'll find out you'll you'll find out where it was written, but not recorded, which is very cool. Um, that's interesting. It's like so interesting to, to to hear that you know they went somewhere specific just to write, but didn't record there. In somewhere very famous. Yeah, for out. sure. Yeah. So. You guys kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. guest segment of the podcast you guys know i always throw it over to jason to tell you guys who our guest is today and i'm always excited to talk to who the or tell you who the guest is today and 
You know, Brian, you can't have a blues in Southern Rock or Rock podcast without talking to our guest today. We are very honored to have on one of the greats, Kenny Wade Shepard. Kenny, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing real good. We're doing real good. Yeah, heck yeah. So we're excited about the new record. And so if you wanted to talk all about that from when it was just a uh, sparkle in your eye to completion, we'd love that. <laughs> yeah, well... It's been a bit of a process, but, you know, all these things are. But anyways, we uh, I mean, I started writing songs for this record. I want to say it was probably 2019. Um, and yeah, we what was interesting is we tried a couple of different things. So it's like I've been uh, starting several years ago and probably three albums ago. I, I just decided, you know, I wanted to kind of get myself out of the comfort zone when it came to writing songs for records and you know producing and recording songs and because i had a thing you know that's been working really well for a long time and it's really comfortable and i got people that i you know been writing with and collaborating with for a long time and stuff but you know growth happens when you kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone and so several years ago i started writing with some new people just you know i didn't abandon the old uh, writers that I write with as well. I mean, I still collaborate with them, but just trying some new things and <clears throat> writing with some new people just to get uncomfortable, but at the same time, find some new um, creative opportunities. And so, um, you know, th this was a continuation of that process. So this time, instead of doing like your traditional, uh, you know, writing sessions in like Nashville, Tennessee, or what we've done in the past in Louisiana. Uh, we decided to meet up down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama at Fame Studios and, you know, write, you know, uh, a do a furious, a fast and furious writing session uh, over the course of about five days and, you know, just write as many songs as we could and in a really cool place where a lot of incredible records have been written and recorded so that was the fun part of the process for sure and i think it made for for a great record you know really compelling and interesting new fresh young and in my opinion exciting sounding record yeah man and of course you know muscle shoals and fame recording studio itself super legendary you know doing these songs in such a short amount of time did that inspire you did that make the process go any faster well, I mean, I think that it, well, it was inspirational just being down there. I mean, that studio right. is pretty well unchanged from, from, you know, how it originally always has been. And so you walk into that studio, it's like a time warp, you know, and you immediately step into the room where all these incredible albums were written and recorded. And I mean, it looks very much the same. And so it's, it, you know, you can feel the vibe like oozing off the walls and, you know, soaked into the carpet and, and all that, you know? So, <laughs> so it's like, it's pretty incredible. And I think, yeah, that was, that lent a, a bit of inspiration to the writing session. And, uh, and I think, you know, you hear it in some of the songs for sure. So did that, the room in that studio, did that besides being inspired by, by the whole being in Muscle Shoals, uh, was there anything, you know, uh, extra special about the sound of that room compared to other places you've recorded? I'm, I'm just going off from the documentary. I remember Keith Richards saying that there's something about that room. Well, yes, except, uh, you know, I, I think the, to clarify, we wrote the majority of these songs for the record there, but we did not record the album there. So, um, you know, the, the birth of the album took place down there, but the recording of it um, and the actual 
you know, construction of the songs themselves took place out in Los Angeles in a okay. studio out there. Okay. And uh, but that's just because it didn't work at the time. Right. But like we, what we want to do next time is we're planning on going back down there again and we're trying to switch it up again, hopefully, you know, for another album that's to come in the not too distant future. But we want to go down there, write the songs and just start trying to record them on the spot as they're written as well. Um, so, yeah, but no, the recording, you know, we recorded in a studio in, in L.A. and Hollywood that when we walked into that studio, we were told um, we were told that this would be the last album we ever recorded in that studio and that the building was going to be torn down in favor of like a high rise condo or something like that. So oh, really, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we that was probably sad for the guys that worked at the studio. I didn't really have any personal connection to the place. It was the first time I'd, I'd ever worked there, but it was cool. I mean, you know, <clears throat> maybe we left behind a nice vibe you know, in the building before it was laid to rest. And, uh, and I think, you know, we came, we came away with a good record, you know, as a result of working in that building. And that one was an old school kind of vibe too. I mean, it, it actually, I don't know how old that studio was, but it felt almost every bit as old as the fame studio as well. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, you know, having a chance to hear this record and it's um, Dirt of My Diamonds, Volume 1, at least you left that studio not, you know, putting a pretty good record. It doesn't suck. It's really good. So <laughs> you're honored the legacy of that studio that, that's now High Rise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> you know, you got to leave on a good man. So go, going back to that, you want to do another album here coming up. This is a Volume 1 record. Are we assuming that there's a Volume 2 coming? Yes, there is. And that one's already finished. So we're just oh, in no the kidding. process of, yeah, we're just, we got to do the surround sound at most mixes, but yeah, it's already been recorded and everything. So that <clears throat> we don't have an official release date, but I would, I would imagine if I was to guess, I would think it would probably come out about this time next year, you know, and then volume two will come out, you know, and you'll have both. And then we have, 
we have several other things in the pipeline too. So, um, which is good. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, so did you have anybody different recording in this session? Uh, do you have your, your live, your, um, touring band, uh, who, who was all there? It's the same group of guys. I mean, it's primarily my touring band, um, you know, myself on guitar and vocals, Noah Hunt on vocals as well. What a terrible um, guy. He's so mean. He's from, you know, Cincinnati. What's awful guy? <laughs> I know such a great, such a great voice he's got, man. It's, it's amazing. And yeah, uh, we've had him on you know, before. I'm from that area too. So we connected over Skyline Chili. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, him and then Kevin McCormick on bass and Chris Layton from Stevie Ray Vaughan's band um on drums and and then uh on keyboards this guy jim mcgorman so if you go back two records two studio albums uh so the previous album was the traveler and then before that the previous studio record uh was lay it on down and that's when we <clears throat> assembled this particular group of guys jim mcgorman and kevin mccormick on bass and then Chris and Noah and myself. And so that's been the, that's been the group that we've been making records with for the past three records. But Chris Layton goes all the way back to my first album. Noah goes all the way back to my second album. So, you know, there's a lot of history there with those two guys for sure. Well, I had the pleasure of seeing you guys, you know, on the, on the tour here in, uh, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, you know, talk about what's the touring plans. What, what are you guys, are you guys out there now? What's going on and what are you going to be yeah, doing? Yeah. We, so last, yeah, last night we just played our last <laughs> official show of this year for 2023. Um, and so I think we'll start gearing things back up towards the end of January, 2024. And that'll be the beginning of the tour for next year. And it's, you know, going to be called obviously the dirt on my diamonds tour. And we're going to be, uh, you know, promoting the new record. We're going to be playing some songs from the new album in the concert. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting uh, situation to be in. It's a really, it's a, it's a great problem to have where, you know, we've been making records for almost 30 years now. And so we have a big catalog of material and we also have a, a lot of songs that were on the radio and got a lot of airplay mm -hmm. on the radio. So it's like walking that line you know, between, you know, we still make new music and we want to obviously perform new music, but then you have fans who also have been listening to some of this other stuff for 30 years and they want to hear that live. So it's like trying to straddle the line to keep everybody as happy as possible um, and to keep things interesting, you know, so that we don't just become, you know, the band that just plays, you know, the greatest hits all the time and, and every show is exactly the same, um, you know, because we thrive on spontaneous musical experiences and jamming and things like that and stretching out songs and and that's what makes it exciting for us and i think also for the fans so you know it's a challenge to put together a set list for every tour that doesn't have a bunch of songs from the previous tour uh but still has enough songs you know from the catalog that is going to keep the hardcore fans happy but then also still includes enough songs from the new album to make us and the record company happy uh, you know what I mean? So it's all yeah. quality problems to have, but I haven't put the set list together yet for the tour next year, but we'll be featuring obviously a little bit of new stuff and a little bit of the older stuff. I mean, you got a great catalog. So finding songs to play isn't hard, right? Cause you got so much material. No, it's actually, it's hard to figure out what to play <laughs> because you have so many options. 
And, you know, I, I thought about it. It's like, um, you know, we just did the Trouble is 25th anniversary tour. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the story. So, yeah. So we played, uh, we played that whole record live in concert mm-hmm. for the first time. We never done anything like that before. So, and that was great. That tour was selling out all over the place. Right. So that was a lot of fun. We finished that up. Then we kind of went into the in-between, uh, you know, finishing the Trouble is tour and, and in between the release of a new record. Um, but, you know, coming up in a couple of years will be the 30th anniversary of the Ledbetter Heights album, the first album. And so we're talking about going in and re-recording that record. And maybe we go out and do another tour similar to the Trouble Is 25th mm-hmm. and play that Ledbetter Heights album live, you know. And and then we also have the ability in the future, you know, a few years down the road, you know, where we could do a greatest hits tour because we've had enough radio singles um, that have charted, you know, uh, when radio was really embracing this music. I mean, we have enough of those songs and mm-hmm. other standout uh, songs in the show to where we could certainly do uh, a, a concert, a, a whole show's worth of that stuff. So, you know, we got a lot of, of options on the table, plus making new records, which we love to do. Yeah, man. And I'll, we'll get back to your record in a second, but you said something I wanted to follow up on. Um, like you guys do a lot of jamming. So when you're jamming on songs, you know, everything kind of changes up a little bit. Are you the type of guy who you sort of plan out, Hey, how long is this going to be? Or are you just feeling it? And then you're giving a signal to the rest of the band when when everybody's going to come back from like an extended solo or just a jam? Yeah. It's, I mean, a lot of times it'll just, I mean, I'm kind of the one controlling what's happening. Right. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm the captain of the ship. Um, but after you do things, it, it's interesting because, you know, things can start at the beginning of the tour and you start jamming out on something and then you're kind of developing an idea and, and you'll be trying things and you'll find out what works and what doesn't work. And then when you find out some things that work, then those kind of become regular parts of, of the extended jam. But then you always leave yourself room to improvise a little more and maybe come up with some new stuff as well. And so, but eventually, after doing it enough, when you do it every night, you know, or for 125 times in one year, eventually, even the jams end up taking on some sort of a structure because okay. you have you've developed these cool moments throughout jamming on the song throughout the year, you know, and so you go, wow, that was a really cool moment. I'm, let's do that again. And then the next thing you know, you know, after doing it for so many times. It's like you've kind of created a structure about it. So who who have you had out there with you opening and and when it comes time to to find an opener, what, what's your process? Do you just uh have people that you pick or or you know, how does that all work? Well, we've been doing a little bit of um I mean my main thing is I, once I got to the point where you know I was like considered a headliner and you know had other people opening up for me which you know started a long time ago but i've always tried to use my platform to help other artists you know because that's what people did for me like bb king buddy guy you know even like zz top and aerosmith and all those bands that that took me out and let me open up for them they were sharing their fan base and their platform with me as i was coming up trying to make a name for myself and so you know, I've gone out of my way, especially in recent years, to have young up and coming talent, you know, out on the road with us to help kind of give them a platform for their music. And and also, um, 
you know, look out and, and try and, and do what I can for some of the more heritage uh, blues artists as well. So a little mixture of each, but, you know, we've seen that there's been a lot of young ladies uh, yeah. in the blues, <laughs> blues and blues rock genre that are really kind of like, you know, blazing a, a trail and making a name for themselves. And so we've featured, you know, several of them over the past couple of years, in particular, Samantha Fish, Ali Venable, right. Shamika yep, Copeland, great. you know, Shamika Copeland's been around as long as me, but she's still, I, I think she's the modern day queen of the blues and, you know, she's come out and done some stuff with us. So we've been really kind of helping embrace the ladies of the blues, but there's lots of young guys, you know, up and coming guitar players. I mean, it's great. And it's nice to see, you know, that, that youth continuing to find this kind of music and want to do something with it. And we're always, always like hungry for hear about more artists. We always have to ask our guests, you know, is there someone out there that we might not know about someone that that's that you're besides who you've mentioned, anyone else that you're super impressed that you think might uh, rock our songs off? Well, you know, sometimes I feel like, uh, like you, like you guys might know better than me. I mean, right. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. we talk uh, to a lot of new, new yeah. artists. Yeah. That's a lot of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are kind of the people that are always looking for people to talk to, and you yeah. want to talk to interesting artists. And so, I mean, I kind of know who's out there and, and who's impressed me, and those are the people that, that we generally, you know, try and, and have out with us, you know. Brian, who would you recommend? We're going to give Kenny some recommendations here. <laughs> you know, you're talking about you know, the young female artists, you know, uh, uh, Jack's Hollow out of Nashville is is uh, someone we admire a lot. We've got to be friends. Oh, Lonnie yeah. Kilgore. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with you on both of those. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back to the album a little bit. Your first single is "You Can't Love Me," and kind of what you were talking about when you start off in the interview is like you kind of change and develop over time. You know, this this song and a lot of the album is not so much about like showing off your guitar prowess, but a lot of it's like melody and some of these nice kind of repeating um licks on here i get in that that song is very much like that right it's has some solos in it but it's like a repeating lick it's a little bit more laid back in your style like you want to tell us a little bit about the song yeah i mean that song is you know it's just about really it's about being tasty i mean that's kind of where i've you know i, I like to i like to kind of you know burn up the fretboard you know when i when when it's appropriate but i also like to lay back and yeah. And just kind of play what's appropriate for the song in, in, in most cases as well. So, you know, that one's really about telling a story and the guitar part is not there to overwhelm the story. It's there to support it. And so I just kind of played what I thought was appropriate for it, you know, and I, that's, I, I love that song. I mean, some people are like, wow, it's kind of a departure for you. And and uh, I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, we've written like ballady type songs on many, many records of different varieties over the years. But there's also like several songs like right in that vein that I've written. I mean, going all the way back to the to the mid 90s, you know, um, they just haven't wound up on any of my records because when we went to when we went to record them, um, we just didn't you know, it just didn't sound right you know so we didn't put it on the record but you know I, I write all kinds of, there's a lot of songs i've written in a lot of different veins that have never seen the light of day but you know i look at myself as like i'm a i'm a musical artist right like i don't just play in one 
little box, you know, I like to push, push the envelope and try different things and, you know, mix and match and, you know, push things forward and create new and different things. And, you know, this is just part of that. Yeah. And it's a great song. Like it's a song that's if you're hanging out on a deck or porch with people like chilling out, you know, it's a really good, like melodic laid back groove. I dig it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. With the state of kind of the music industry, the way it is, right. There's only so many labels and I don't think they're involved anymore. Does that give you better options to do more diverse stuff? Like we're hearing on this record, like, I guess, what's the state of the record industry? How does that affect your, your music making? Well, for me, it doesn't, I mean, I've always written and recorded the music that I felt inspired to make. I was given that opportunity from day one uh, by Irving Azoff, who signed me to my record uh, contract when I was a kid, right? So, um, you know, he gave me permission back then that whatever, you know, just go and make a Kenny Wayne Shepherd album, whatever that is. He was like, I don't care if it's all instrumental. I don't care if you have somebody singing on it. I don't care if you're singing on it. I don't, you know, just go make the album that you want to make. And that he gave me that permission from day one. And I've never had that taken away. And I've just always maintained the right to write and record and create the music that I feel inspired to make. And I think the fans appreciate that, you know. I mean, some fans want you to just sound one particular way, but right, but right. The that, same song ton of times. Yeah. Yeah, but that sound is still there in everything that we do. I mean, the common thread is still in all of these songs. And they go that common thread goes all the way back to the very first album. Um, but you know, if I just made the same album 15 different ways over 30 years, then it's like, where's the artistry in that? You know, where's the growth? And, and all of that. So my goal was always to, to push the boundaries, to try and create new sounds and to try and turn new people on, you know, even though the music I was creating wasn't always traditional blues, you know, and a lot of it wasn't. Um, but I was always associated, had the association of being labeled a blues guitar player. Right. And as a result, you know, most of my, because most of my influences were, blues artists right but as a result i wanted to use that as an opportunity to turn young people and different people on to bl the blues music that inspired me right so i've always stared who who inspired me the players that paved the way for me to become the artist that i am and and uh but the thing is is that if you the only way to reach new people is to do new things i mean otherwise if you just keep playing the music the way it's always been played then you're just preaching to the choir and there's no there's no body being converted and so you know that's why i've i mean if you look at my very first album my first single deja voodoo that is not a blues song it's a it's a blues based rock song mm -hmm. and we and we hit number five on mainstream rock radio right out of the box you know and sold ended up selling a million copies of that record and there was a lot of those people that were probably didn't consider themselves fans of the blues that now, you know, 30 years later do. And so like, that's always been my goal. And the way to accomplish, you know, that is and reach new people is to try and create new things, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. And your evolution as an artist has just been incredible too. I think your vocals, your vocal performance on the, some of the songs that you sing are maybe your best I've ever heard. 
Yeah, well, it's you know, for me, it was a work in progress. When I was a kid, I did my first album. I mean, all the way up till I to my fourth album, I really only ever I sang one song on my first record, and then I was kicking and screaming the whole time. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> um, but and then after the after that one song on the first album, I just basically did background vocals, and Noah came along on the second record and he did all the lead vocals on the second album and the third album. But by the fourth album, I decided to step up and start singing. And then after that, to varying degrees, but way more consistently over the past several records to, to where now it's consistent that Noah and I basically share the vocals about 50, 50, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Then we have very different voices. But when I opened my mouth, when I was a kid, when I pick up the guitar and play guitar, everybody thought, you know, would say how I, play guitar beyond my years you know um but when i opened my mouth i sounded like a kid like there was no <laughs> no doubt about it and that was not the voice that i heard from my music um i didn't want to be a kid that could play beyond his ears but then couldn't sing beyond his ears right so i didn't think that was going to get me where i wanted to go and it wasn't going to make the music i wanted to make so i didn't have a problem finding somebody else to do the singing until i was ready to do it and then you know i've been working on it for you know years and and it's great we're in a really great situation where we have two lead singers in the band and and we Noah and i have two very different voices mm -hmm. so that gives us so much more ground that we can cover because there's inevitably some song or songs on each record that you know, I'll go out there and try and sing it and it just doesn't sound right with me singing it. And then Noah goes out and he kills it. And there's been songs where Noah goes out and sings it. And it just doesn't quite sound right. And then I go out and sing it and it's like, there it is. And so, but with only one of us uh, doing the vocals, then there's certain songs that would never have seen the light of day. So it's just, a, it's a, it enables us that much further to be able to do that much more. Yeah, for sure. I listened to this album. You could tell which songs that Noah was singing on and you were singing on. It was it was kind of nice. It's like, hey, you know, this is Kenny Wayne Shepherd singing this one. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, and it's a cool evolution. I mean, I look at it like, I don't know. There's lots of bands that have had. I mean, you know, tons of them, like Fleetwood Mac or whatever. But yeah, I look yeah. at it, you know, like somewhere along the lines of like the Archangels, you know, like with Charlie Sexton and Doyle Bramhall, you know, back in the day or something like that. But two really great guys musicians and two different voices but they work really well together yes so speaking of different musicians you've got a cover song on this record and it's an interesting choice you do elton john saturday nights all right for fighting like how did how did that come up? it sounds great on the record it's just i would never expect that choice of a song well i have kind of a running list that i keep of cover song ideas and it just basically comes to me. I'll be like, you know, driving down the road with the radio on and a song comes on. I'm like, oh, man, we could kill that song. So I'll just jot it down, add it to the list. And then inevitably, when we're in the studio working on a record, you know, the, there's just there's always an opportunity that presents itself where you go, hey, man, let's do a cover song real quick. See what happens. And uh, so that was one of the ones I pulled out in this recording session. And I, I mean, I thought that we could do a great job at it. And I think that we did. Um, did. And it's, awesome. it's really cool because Elton, it's, it's probably one of the most rock and roll songs Elton did mm -hmm. or has ever done. And uh, so I really thought it was appropriate for us. And I love his guitar player, Davey. I mean, those are iconic guitar parts in that song. 
and Davey's a great guy. He's a friend of mine, and I admire him both as a, as a person and as a guitar player. So it was kind of a way to pay tribute to Davey and pay tribute to Elton, show our appreciation. And, it, you know, coincidentally, it was not on purpose, but the timing worked out, you know, that it's also happening while he's kind of doing his farewell thing. And so the timing was great to be able to say, hey, man, this is our way of saying thank you. Brian, it sounds like those two need to connect on some of those dates and play the song together. <laughs> that would sound great. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. For sure. It is really killer, for sure. And the new record comes out on November 17th, I'm, I'm seeing here, correct? Yeah, November 17th. And, uh, you know, there's a couple songs. I think three of the songs have already been made available <clears throat> so you can stream them and listen to them. But the whole album in its entirety uh, will be released on November 17th. And, you know, you can consume it however you like to consume your music nowadays. We'll have actual CDs that you can buy if you're a CD person. We'll have vinyl if you're a vinyl person. You know, you can get it on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, and all those, you know, Amazon Music and all that stuff, uh, if that's how you like to hear your music. So we try and make it as available as possible. Where is the best place for all of our listeners to go to find out about your records, your tour dates, merch, all that stuff? Buy the CD, buy the vinyl. Yeah, KennyWayneShepherd.com or KennyWayneShepherd.net. Um, and then, you know, we're on social media. We're probably most active on Facebook. And then a uh, close second would be Instagram. Never been much of a Twitter person myself. Not for any reason other than when they first started that thing and you had a character limit and you could only type your yeah. message in so many characters. And I was like, this requires way too much thought <laughs> and effort just to stick a message out there. And I know it's changed since then, but I just never got into, you know, that was the first platform where people were like, I believe where they were like hashtagging things. And I was yeah. like, what is all this? You know, it's like, it was such a foreign concept. To me. <laughs> but we're there, we're there too. We just haven't cultivated an audience on Twitter the way we have in Facebook and Instagram. So. The, the character limits are hard because like, if you're, if you're tagging like a link to something, you know, like in, amazon or spot like that takes up character so it even reduces like when I'm, we're putting the podcast stuff out like here's spotify here's apple like it restricts even you know how much you can do so it is a pain in the ass yeah i know well but it's also a necessary evil because you know it's a it's a tool that's actually not really ever been afforded to musicians or even a lot of companies before which is direct marketing you know to your fan base and you, you know that's one of the things you needed a record company for was right. to be able to reach people and engage those people. And usually traditionally it was through them getting you on the radio and them getting you, you know, maybe on television, you know, in some shape or form or fashion. But now, you know, you can do it all yourself if you're, if you're pretty uh, savvy with the social media stuff. Which I think pretty much everybody has to do these days. Cause I, you know, there's only so many big teams out there doing all the media for everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn, but you know, especially for young artists, I mean, a lot of these kids, they came up in a world oh. where this stuff existed. We had right. to adapt to it coming into our existence, but yep. they've been raised around it. So they know a lot more about how to, 
how to manage it and deal with oh, it. Oh, I ask my kids advice all the time on how to use social media. I'm, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I'm Gen Xer, you know, you sort of, we live, we were like the last generation that lived pre-internet and then like lived with the internet at the same time. So there's still plenty to learn. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> Brian, what else do you have for Kenny in his uh, limited time here? Uh, nothing. I just want to, you know, thank you so much, Kenny Wayne Shepard for coming on the new record. Uh, Dirt on my diamonds. Volume one comes out November 17th. You're someone we've wanted to get on here for a long time. And thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to talk to us. It, it really means the world to us. So thank you so, so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you so much to Kenny Wayne Shepard coming on and talking about the latest record, Dirt on My Diamonds. Uh, as we teased in the intro, you found out that they recorded at Muscle Shoals. And uh, once again, interesting that they chose that place to to write, and a lot of people would record there. They wrote there. They didn't re record there, but they wrote the record there. And what a great place to get a good vibe going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and uh, I think when you listen to this record, hopefully you're listening to it today. It's out. Um, you'll get some of those vibes from there and enjoy Kenny laying back a little bit more, not showing us something to prove on guitar and just going, as he said, like kind of where the music took him on the album. Yeah. And to hear them, you know, he's using using his band there in the studio that, that he's out there with. Um, and just to hear, you know, how all that works and the chemistry of the band and, I, you know, this record's fantastic and I can't wait to go out there and see him again. No, and it was a, certainly a pleasure to talk about a blues artist, great, like Kenny Wade Shepard, especially like a modern age, Brian, where we, we're a little bit older than he is, but we sort of grew up with him at the same time. And it's always really cool to talk to somebody like that. Yeah, and he came out about the same time, you know, you know, with uh, Johnny Lang came out. So those two kind of got thrown into that basket of, of uh, new blues players. And you don't like nowadays, you don't really hear that much about like, Oh, I can't believe how young, like age doesn't come into it anymore e on either end of the spectrum, which is cool. Yeah. Especially from the blues side. I think you almost expect there to be teenage blues phenoms anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not, not For such sure. a thing. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it was great to uh, talk to Kenny Wayne Shepard on this new record and uh, you guys go out and get it, listen to it. And it's great. And always remember Southern rock is reverent blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Comes down.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 